Welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast. Here you will find Dr. Cindy Elliser and Kat McKeever, researchers at Pacific Mammal Research, talking all about marine mammals. We will have a variety of ways to share information with you through discussing research articles and news stories, interviews with other researchers, and more. Join us to learn more about marine mammals and have some fun. Welcome to the next Pac-Man podcast. Uh, my name is Cindy. And I'm Kat. And today we're going to, it's kind of like a paper review, but not completely, because we're actually, it's a couple of papers, and there's more that we're not actually going over. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's this, it's a, it's an event that they, that they figured out uh, a few years ago, um, and then there's been multiple papers as they find more and more about it. So we're kind of talking about that, this thing that happens, which is going to be very cool. Um, and then reference some papers that we use to to find the information about what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it starts off with some seals and gray seals in particular. Yeah. So if you're listening, you, you know to more about gray seals than I do, Kat, because you're from. <laughs> we yeah. So a- we don't really we don't really have gray seals here on the west coast of the U.S., um, but they are found throughout the North Atlantic Ocean. So I grew up in Scotland, and we have both harbor seals and gray seals in Scotland. Um, and so these guys are found kind of throughout Europe, um, in parts of Canada, and I believe northern parts of the east coast of the U.S. too. Um, yes, I believe so over in Canada's side on the Atlantic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the East coast of the U S northern and, um, parts of Canada over there. And like I said, parts of Europe. So Germany, um, Denmark, Scotland, the UK, um, all around the UK. So not a species that we have here, but. Right. And and that, that actually become important (laughs) later on. Um, and I don't, for, for whatever reason, gray seal, seals are really cute, but gray seals, they have a kind of a, I don't know what it is about their head. It's a little bit weird looking to me. So one of my professors actually had a really, really great way of explaining the difference between gray seals and harbor seals. So if you look at the profile of a harbor seal, it resembles mm-hmm. the profile of like a spaniel. Right. So it's got kind of more of like a 90 degree slope between the forehead and where that joins the nose. Right. The gray seals have the profile of a greyhound. So their head kind of just goes straight forward. They don't really have that pronounced dip between the forehead and the nose. That's yeah. So it looks a little bit more elongated. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. like a slant instead of a 90 degree. Yeah. So, I mean, there is something, it's kind of like a human having a cute little button nose. Like there is something that just visually for whatever reason, seems to be a little more appealing about the Harbor Seals face. I don't know what that is. Some some visual psychologist can tell me what that is. <laughs> yeah, I know too. Like we like symmetry and like things like that. So there, there must be something about those angles that make the yeah. gray seals look just a bit more menacing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, they definitely do look different. I mean, their their similar size are a little bit bigger than a harbor seal, but not by much. See, that's interesting. I always think like they look they they in the pictures they just look massive. Of course, they were dealing they're in comparison to a small pup uh, harbor seal, so. <laughs> right, and I mean, they are they are bigger than harbor seals. Like I said, I mean, if they're in the water, you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference, um, but they are a little bit bigger than a harbor seal, typically. So uh, these uh, gray seals are um, a bit, I don't know what the word is, a bit menacing. Scary, scary. <laughs> yeah, that's a good word. If you're a harbor seal, they're scary. Uh, yeah, and a porpoise, apparently, too. Or a we'll porpoise. They're scary. Um, 
But so normally, let's put this in perspective. Normally, gray sails eat fish and invertebrates, right? They're basically piscivores um, and eat other invertebrates and whatnot. That's what we've always thought that they've eaten, right? So what they found in these papers is um, uh, that there's been these, uh, it's kind of an, it's a murder mystery. It's like CSI, crime scene yeah. investigation. Like for years, since 1985, they've been noticing um, in Europe, in the UK specifically too, um, these spiral lacerations in harbor seal and gray seal, um, lots of times pups. I think maybe some older ones, but mainly pups. Yeah, they have um, documented it in, um a lot, quite a lot of uh, female harbor seals too. Makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. that, that that have been stranded, um, and they've actually seen similar things in harp seals and hooded seals in the North Atlantic, especially in Canada since the 1990s. Yeah. So these weird, and they call them corkscrew. Corkscrew. Yeah. Seals. So it literally, it literally looks like if you if you picture what the metal part, the screw part of the corkscrew actually looks like, that is the shape of the laceration around the seal's body. It literally looks like somebody took a corkscrew around his body, and and this is going to be a little gross. So, warning: this episode is going to be graphic, people. All right, a little graphic. Um, but there is literally like a corkscrew of flesh that has been removed around the entire body. Yeah, to me, it starting like at the mouth, took a zipper, and they just like unzipped it around it. Right, in a in a circular motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's the key: is that it's this this corkscrew. So. Because of that, they're like, when they've seen these animals, they're like, well, the most obvious thing that it most, most likely would be some, some kind of uh, duct propeller from ships, mm -hmm. right? Which makes sense. It, it makes sense logically if you think about it. Like, okay, yeah, that corkscrew is it like, as the propeller turns, they get caught and, you know, did that. Right. And also it would take quite a lot of force to actually remove the blubber and part of the skin from the animal in the way that it actually was removed. So I think that was also part of their rationale for thinking that this is likely a propeller, something that's engine powered that would have the literal physical force to actually right. like rip that off. Right. Yeah. So that's been the, like they've been noticing these since the 19th mid 1980s. Um, and, you know, thinking that it's probably, probably these propellers. So in comes this article from, uh, it's in plus one, um, from, when is it, 2016? Yep. And uh, I'll just read you the title of it so you can figure out what we're going to be talking about today. Corkscrew seals, gray seals infanticide and cannibalism may indicate the cause of spiral lacerations in seals. That's dun, right. Dun, dun. <laughs> cannibalism. Woo! Yeah. So... Um, what these guys found out is they, they observed these gray, uh, this one male in particular, uh, in the Isle of May. And they basically accidentally caught this male attacking a harbor seal pup, right? They weren't looking for this specifically. They were just doing their <clears throat> normal observations of the animals there, uh, at a breeding colony. Um, and they, they saw this male attack this, um, harbor seal pup. And then they monitored this male continuously. Because <laughs> that's a little weird. Because it's a little weird, so they wanted to see. Um, and they they did fight a video uh, and time-lapsed uh, photography and things like that. Um, and they also uh, were able to re re uh, recover 14 pups and to do necropsies on them. Mm -hmm. So just bear in mind, just a little context for this. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, the Isle of May is off the east coast of uh, North Scotland. It's in Fife. So anyone who went to St. Andrews, shout out to my marine mammal science people from St. Andrews, mm -hmm. which is where I went. Um, 
so we actually did a field trip out to the Isle of May. It's about a half hour drive. Um, and then you get about a half hour ferry over to the Isle of May. And they've been studying the breeding colony of gray seals on the Isle of May for, I think, over, over a decade now. Um, they've been doing photo ID on the, on the animals there. Um, they have a pretty good idea of their population and they track the females and all that kind of stuff through photo id so it's kind of interesting it's very similar to what we do with the harbor seals here in anacortis um and also they at this point they had been investigating so when they actually saw this kind of you know by chance observation during their normal monitoring of the breeding colony they had been investigating the corkscrew seal issue for quite a number of years so the, um several people who work at the sea mammal research unit in saint andrews had actually been contracted by the Scottish government to investigate this because the number of harbor seals in Scotland specifically have been declining um, in, um, at concerning levels. And so, you know, they kept finding these animals with these corkscrew lacerations and they're like, look, we need to figure out what's causing this because our general population is declining. And yet the number of animals with these lacerations is not declining. So, right. so as so the population goes more, down... Yeah, even more important because as you get fewer and fewer animals and that's th this type becomes a bigger and bigger problem because right. more of them are dying that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The proportion, um, as the population decreases, the proportion kind of increases right. by default. So just a little bit of context for what was going on when they actually saw this observation. So they didn't, I don't think they necessarily expected it to go in the direction that it's going to go in here, but equally <laughs> they were aware that this was something that was going on. They had been investigating the corkscrew seal problem for quite a number of years um, prior to observing this. So just a little context here for everybody. Right. So they've been, they've been, they're, they're, they've been, it's been a mystery, right? They've been trying to figure this out. And then as with a lot of mysteries, you just need one thing to pop up and then it unravels kind of pun intended there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, unravels to you find the truth. So they need they 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 found this one male that did this, and then through watching the rest of this uh, thing that they have in the paper here, um, kind of discovered what the most likely cause of these uh, uh, corkscrew events are. So this male um, that they 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 caught catching a weaned gray seal pup, um, and so it's kind of important to note that they're that these are weaned, so that the mothers aren't there to protect them. Um, and also they probably have a good amount of blubber and fat on them because they've been beefed up by their moms before they are let go to deal with life on their own. Yeah. So um, the grace of, so again, this is going to be fairly graphic. So if you don't like this, you might want to skip. Um, or if you're listening to this with kids, just uh, right. bear that in mind. <laughs> Um, so the, what it does is it, the male would grab the, 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 the pup by the scruff of the neck um, and then drag it to a little freshwater pool that was nearby um, and it's kind of shallow water and then climbed on top of it and then stayed there until it stopped struggling. Now, the animal didn't die at this point. Which right. Is really so the gray seal was actually putting his head, pushing the pup's head underwater. Right. Um, so when he when he climbed on top of it, he was literally like holding the, the pup's head underwater, trying yeah. to placate it. Right. And so when, and when I first saw that, I'm like, oh, it did it till it drowned, but not, not actually the, it, the, yeah. the death of the pup was attributed to asphyxiation to, to dr like drowning basically, but the pup didn't die right the way it was 12 minutes later, the pup was still moving after it had stopped kind of the gray seal had been on it and it stopped moving a little bit. And then 
it continues to do what it's doing, um, but the pup was still moving 12 minutes later, so it didn't die right away, which mm-hmm. is really kind of sad, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, and so uh, what it does, though, is it grabs it and then pulls the, f- the flesh and the skin away to get to the blubber that's below it. Right. Um, and then however, for whatever reason, makes that corkscrew um, lacerations. So what I thought was interesting here too, and if you, if any of you, I think this one was open source. So if you wanted to go find this paper yourself, they actually have a really great series of photographs documenting this um, that show you visually. And it's not super graphic, actually. I mean, it's when you know what's going on, it's pretty gross to look at, but it's not, it's not like bloody. It's not immediately, whoa. Right. Um, But what I thought was interesting with this was the fact that the adult, the male gray seal, when it bit into the pup's neck, it mm-hmm. pulled the, the male pulled his head back while mm-hmm. simultaneously pushing with the, slippers. the pup away with his with his flippers. So he's literally like, if you picture like a piece of taffy, right? Like if you get mm-hmm. a piece of taffy and you like, you're like pulling it away because it gets, you know, you're trying to break it and you're having to pull it away from you. That's literally what the gray seal male was doing with that piece of his, of, of skin and that's what caused the skin to actually tear. Right. And so I think it's part of the fact that because he's pushing it away, that's kind of right. just the natural role of the animal as it's being pushed away would roll. Pull it that way. In, yeah, a, in a cylindrical manner. Right. Because you're like going like this and it's pulling, yeah, you're pushing out. Yeah. And so he's literally like pulling back from the wound every time and like yanking backwards while pushing the thing away. He's going to roll it away from him. Right. And and we've seen uh, harbor seals do this with octopus, where they're grabbing yeah. it with their flippers and then pulling, just like you said, like taffy. It's a great analogy. Um, but because of it, now we're talking about a baby seal. Which is, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right with how why that would become curved around. Yeah. Um, and so they found over the next six days, they found four more pups. And then they found three others that had died during the night, and that male was nearby, and there were no mm-hmm. other adults. So a total of eight um, pups killed by this one male. Confirmed. And then, yeah. Yeah, confirmed. And then they found six more that were dead in a tide channel that was next to the pool. And the key here was that the male, in order for him to go back out to the water and, and come back to land, he would have had to have gone through that tide channel. Mm-hmm. So it's likely that that same male killed those other six. So that right. would be- so potentially a, a body count of 14 attributed to that one male, potentially. And, and this is what I, it was only like a week or two or something. Like yeah. it was only a couple of weeks that they were, he was on land. So yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. Um, so, like I said before, the pups have good, they were in good condition, they had a good amount of blubber, they were recently weaned, so they're, they're kind of stocked up. Um, they had crushing bite wounds on the skulls, because again, that's where he's grabbing um, at the top. Um, and um, what's interesting is that, so they, they found these pups before, but they thought that the, one of the problems with strandings is that you, it's hard to tell pre-mortem. Pre, pre- Mortem, thank you. I was like, not mortem, that's <laughs> pre-mortem or post-mortem. So is it scavengers that have taken stuff away from the animal or was it taken before the animal died or right when the animal died, like when the predator ate right. it? Um, so previously they thought that the removal of the blubber was most likely just from scavenging for, you know, however long. And most of the time when you find a stranding, you don't find it right when it happens, you know. Right. 
bit yeah. of well. Um, so what they're seeing now is that you know, the blubber may have actually been taken before or as the animal died or right after the animal died during the during the event rather than as scavengers later. So it kind of changes the right. perspective of those strandings. Yeah. And interestingly too, I thought was was another great piece of evidence for the cause of these um, injuries being gray seals was the fact that when they're seeing animals stranding with this type of injury, it's very often in the autumn and winter. So the fall mm -hmm. and winter. So it's, it's very sort of time consistent across pretty much all the cases. It's very, very consistently like the fall and winter. And that is when gray seals breed. Well, so, and that's, that's, what's really interesting um, too, because if, so for them, for you're right. The seasonality is is all the same for these ones, but if you go to a different area, when we talked about those other cells right. that they find with these, mm -hmm. it's a different time of year. But that also coincides with the breeding for those yes. seals at that place. Exactly. So yeah, basically, when they're seeing this in whatever location, that's when the gray seals in that location are breeding, and that's really important to note. So again, like Cindy said, a lot of the victims of these injuries are pups. Um, or young females, like I said, in, Sc in Scotland mm -hmm. specifically, I know they found this um, several times, and I'll I'll talk about that a little bit in a minute um, with female harbor seals. And there was a, another theory that was going around for a minute about why that might be. Um, but again, it's just it's just really interesting to know there's there's just one more piece of evidence that would indicate that it is even before they visually saw it. One <laughs> more piece of evidence that you know suggests that this might be consistently gray seals that are causing this. And so the other good point about that is that if you look at the Northeast Pacific and the Atlantic, right, there's harbor seals in both those places. Um, but there are no gray seals in the Northeast Pacific, and there are also no, no corkscrew deaths of Correct. seals. So, yeah. and, and, and both places have high amounts of ships, ships and shipping lanes and things like that. So if it was from pr propellers, you would think you would see it in the Pacific as well, but the mm -hmm. that difference is the gray seals aren't here. So correct. Yeah. Um, I, another line of evidence that you know we're slowly stacking up against the gray seals here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they looked at uh, historical cases of of ones that had these severe trauma and these corkscrew events, um, and they said twenty three out of twenty six historical cases were likely seal production predation. And 70%, 77% since 2010 of the trauma cases they see or were from SEALs that they mm -hmm. are saying that that is now. Right, now that they know what they're looking at. Looking at. Yeah. Right. So that changes um, kind of the history of things. Like, whoa, okay. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And one of, the, one of the things, too, to note that, um, and also one of the theories as to why the harbor SEAL population might be declining in the UK is potentially a lack of food. Mm -hmm. um, so we will get into that a little bit more when we discuss yep. the other paper as well, but that is at this point, I think one of the, one of the thoughts as to why gray seals might be doing this, like I said, we'll kind of wrap that all up towards the end of the podcast here, but right. that is, that is something to bear in mind is a lot of things are driven by food, especially for animals living in the ocean. Um, that's a huge, huge driver of movement of behavioral changes, um, societal changes in those animals. So if that is the case, you know, it, it might be something to do with the food. And like I said, we'll bring kind of circle back around to that at the end of the end of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so and we'll kind of go start to go into that um, a little bit here. And then like I said, we'll, we'll end it with that um, with the other explaining the why a little more as best we know. Yes. Um, so the 
uh, the other thing to to note is they did some preliminary studies um, and they tried to to uh, what's the word? Um, they tried to figure out if it was the propellers versus bites and stuff like that. And it showed that the clamps that they used to mimic the bite did not make the same injuries, but the propeller th that they used could. So they, they did want to say like, well, you know, it, we're not saying that ships aren't a reason for any of them. Right. Like it, it could be both, but it's a strong indication that most of them are probably from the seals. Right. Um, and then, as we mentioned, kind of uh, teased before, um, they do do this to harbor purposes as well. Yeah. And so that was one of the, that's when, I think that's when we found out about it, or really, because we don't have gray seals here, like, or whatever, but porpoises were like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> and you don't think about seals eating porpoises. That's just not something that they normally that's do. That's something that they think about. Yeah. I mean, I, I knew about the gray, the corkscrew stuff for a long time, just because right. like I said, one of my, one of my professors at university was actually one of the guys who was contracted to investigate this. So we had a lot of really fascinating lectures in when they were still in the midst of this was before they knew it was a lot of them were gray seal induced and they were still trying to figure out what was causing these things. Um, and like I said, so one of the, one of the theories, especially when they were, they were becoming more and more convinced that it was most likely propellers that were causing this one of the really interesting things was, okay, well then why is it often female harbor seals mm. like skewed towards, especially when it was juveniles or adults, it seemed to be skewed towards uh, female harbor seals. And one of the theories was that um, the sound of the propeller might sound like, um, like, like either another seal or oh, so like towards it. Yeah, so because the, they were trying to figure out, like, you know, why would they huh. be getting caught in the propellers? Like, you know, well, maybe right. it mimics the sound of, like, another of another animal that they're then investigating, which, you know, like I said, I don't think that was necessarily um, supported eventually. But it was, it was just kind of interesting, like, you know, when you're trying to go See through the all these different theories. Yeah, exactly. And, like, shark attack was another theory that was right. um, yeah. considered for a long time. Um I think especially more kind of on the coast of Canada and stuff like that, where they have um, sharks who actually travel up and down the, the northeast coast of the of the U.S. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, just really fascinating how you know you can kind of go along and, and see, seemingly have a pretty convincing case for one thing, and then like you know as many of these other paper reviews that we've done, like just one simple observation blows it, blows it up. right. <laughs> and then, yeah, com combined with some other maybe like incidental observations, we're like, oh, that must be a strange freak event, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, this is all making sense that these are all tied together. Right. And it, it, really like, interesting. It makes that one thing to just sew it all up and be like, oh, mm -hmm. this makes sense, this makes sense, this makes sense, now it all makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And the, so I, then, I was surprised by the, the amount, it was 17% of stranded harbor corpuses in the Netherlands. Had yeah. Observations. So, yeah. And so kind of going back to what we're talking about with food, right? If this, maybe this is not normally what they eat, right? They're supposed to be eating fish and invertebrates. But if those, that food goes away, if they have enough behavioral plasticity, as we talked about before in one of our other podcasts, the, the bottomless dolphin foraging strategies, um, they are able to figure out these other things to eat, um, you know, might help them in particular of uh, surviving as a species, but obviously is detrimental to the other species. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you could also look at it kind of on the other side of that same coin and that, you know, this could be a targeted 
event on other species that eat the same prey as gray seals. So this is also like potentially a competition thing. You know, it's, they're not targeting species that, that are eating something completely different from what they would eat. Right. So if you're taking out the competition, you're going to have more food, more food for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So again, you know, we're not sure exactly what's, you know, inducing this behavior. Come but, on, Grace Seals, um, why can't you just talk to us and let us know what's going on? Seriously, like, guys, share a little. But so that kind of that goes uh, along with what we'll talk about with the other paper as well, but it's yeah. the amount of blubber that gets eaten. So in this case, with this male, um, only a small portion of blubber was, was eaten, at least what they could tell. Because again, it's very difficult sure. to know exactly how much they had on that, that seal beforehand and how much got eaten and whatnot. Um, but they did have one that was, um, that was, uh, they know it was killed with 24 hour, within 24 hours before and it still had lots of blubber on it. So it seemed like he didn't eat that much. Um, but we'll talk about with the other paper, the, there's a difference in how much energy a mouthful of seal blubber has versus how much fish have. Um, but they didn't look at, at, at it with this paper. Um, but they they did talk about um, you know the options of some some animals. There's the what's called surplus killing, where you're killing something but not really eating it for mm-hmm. whatever reasons. Um, but a lot of those animals that do that kind of um, killing will cache it, right? They'll have a right. little store somewhere, um, but they're not doing that with these. So it's not that's not really um, that. But if Normally, you have to go off the island to go get food and then come back. And especially if you're trying to mate with as many females as possible, because that's what Mm -hmm. you do as a male. (laughs) Um, Leaving the island takes that time away. Right. And if you could get some quick energy stores. It's like fast food. Right? Yeah, if you get some fast food. (laughs) Ew. Ew. (laughs) That's really gross. These seals are fast food then you could increase the, n- the amount of mating that you could possibly do. Um, mm-hmm. and it's less energy intensive. So you're decreasing those foraging trips that you have to take out there. Um, right. So that was an interesting point. You know, again, trying to figure out why these animals are doing this. Why would they all of a sudden start eating, especially their own? <laughs> because yeah. the, the other thing that males will do in um, other species is, you know, infanticide, where you'll kill the baby so that the mother goes back into estrus and then you can be the, the father of the baby. If you, right. But in this case, the females aren't around. The females have already left the babies. So it's not, that's not happening. At least that we can tell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, let's move on to the other paper. Cause that actually kind of ties nicely mm-hmm. into then moving on to talk about this one. Um, yeah. So this one. Okay. So the, that was the, the one that we just um, talked the one in plus one by Brownlow et al. And then this one is, Behavioral and Pathological Insights into a Case of Active Cannibalism by a Gray Seal on Hegeland, Hel- Helgeland, Germany, by uh, Van Nier et al. Yeah, um, and this and is this... in the Journal of Sea Research. Right. And this so one this... was published in 2019. Yeah, so very recently. So yeah. this is now, there's and there's, like we said before, there's quite a few papers. There's one on the, the Gray Seals eating the harbor porpoises and, and other ones um, that, on this um, topic. Uh, but this one is a, a a detailed account of one, and they were actually able to get the the pups that were eaten, and then do some um, pathological and and more detailed necropsies, um, and they were able to do a bit more on the behavior of it, like showing the different steps. 
right. <laughs> that happened. Um, uh, and so this was a five-year-old male that attacked a juvenile. And I thought it was interesting they didn't say how the juvenile was. Yeah, good point. I was like waiting for that, and then they never said anything. <laughs> yeah, good point. Oh. Okay. Um, but this one was a little bit different um, in that the, the, it bit at the throat and then pushed the and the, the same motion of, as we were talking about before, where they, they take the flippers and they pull away like that taffy. Mm -hmm. um, but they were doing it at the throat. So in this case, instead of the animal drowning, it likely exsanguinated. There we go. So I was going to say it wrong. Can you, tell, can you tell that I thought about being a forensic scientist for a while? <laughs> this is all the way up Cat's alley. She's like, this is so cool. Yeah. Um, so that it actually probably bled to death, basically, is what that mm -hmm. means. Yeah. Um, but it fed for 90 minutes. Yeah. So this guy, obviously, he was not just killing the seal just to kill the seal. Right. He was ready for food. Yeah. And he so he pulled back the skin and then scraped the blubber off with his teeth. Yeah. Um, which, again, is not, you know, we see the other, with the other gray seal, he was eating it, but it wasn't quite the same level of intent. Right. Um, so this is where they actually went into looking at the energetics between a uh, gram of seal blubber and a gram of what normal fish they would eat. And so if you get 28 grams of seal blubber, that's the same as 100 grams of herring, like the same energetic value. And 12 grams of blubber is the same as 100 grams of cod. Right. So you could see... <laughs> If you're energetically pushed. Right. That, you know, taking a little bit of seal blubber is going to get you farther. You have to eat less of it to get the same amount of energy. And even, even if the, in the killing this, the, this, the seal pup is energetically, you have to put that out. Um, it's worth it when you compare how often you'd have to go out to go get, go to those foraging trips and catch that many fish. Right. So it's actually, it's very similar to what we discussed in our previous podcast about mm -hmm. the harbor porpoise large prey capture. Right. It's very, very similar where, you know, you're putting in more effort to catch this large salmonid or large fish species. But if you are successful in that, you get a huge energetic payout versus, you know, spending all day catching small forage fish. Right. So it's very, you know, energetics are, are they can be broken down to fairly simple metrics, really. Right. There's usually a basic need that goes behind the behaviors that the animals have. Mm -hmm. um, and this one um, was on a beach and not on a breeding colony, which is interesting. But I believe, uh, if I remember correctly from the paper, it was during the molting season there. Mm -hmm. um, and so there, when, when these animals molt, it is a high energy, like they're tired, they're exhausted from molting their skin and their, and their hair. Um, <clears throat> so that may also be why well, maybe during these times it, it's a good fast food to get to. Yeah. And this one. Yeah. Yeah. This one was also kind of interesting too. It was slightly different from the 2016 paper, just in that the actual capture and um, handling of the juvenile by the male was actually done in sh all in shallow water. So it wasn't actually right. physically on the beach. It was actually like, and they, they've just, they made a note of that in the paper just because it yeah. was kind of interesting that it wasn't, it wasn't in doing the, this in the water. Pools. Yeah. It wasn't in the pools that the other gray seal did it in. Right. But actually I'm just thinking about that. If one of the strategies is to, you know, 
pull it underwater or push it underwater to drown it, you would need to be by water to, to incapacitate right. the, the, you know, juvenile or pup. Right. And that's going to make it, that's going to, it's going to be easier to do that than to try to just kill it in another way where it, I, I would, it would seem it would be faster if you could drown it than right. to try to do, you know, kill it some other fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, and they did note um, that it's important to remember that the, it's hard to differentiate between these gracile predation and anthropogenic injuries, right? So this is why this paper is important because the more we can understand about exactly what these, these um, injuries look like, uh, then um, it, we can understand better when we find these other animals that are stranded. Um, and that's another point is that the, the, I believe in this one, the, the injuries were not exactly the same as the other gray seal Correct. paper that we talked about. Um, and, the, and then also in the other one, they talked about um, whales since, in whales, since, not whales, in whales, <laughs> since 2009, um, gray seal cannibalism in pups um, was seen, but it's not spiral in nature. There wasn't that corkscrew, it was circular. So this is indicating that not all gray seal attacks have that characteristic corkscrew um, injuries. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So we need to know more. Um, you know, like, so that's why this paper that note basically about this detailed event, um, is important because the more of those you have, the more you can understand, oh, this is, this is a type, this is a type, and this is a type, and all of them are gray seals. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, you know, obviously these situations are happening in the wild. There's different contexts every time, you know, it's very possible that perhaps in one instance, it, you know, even if the same animal's doing the behavior, it's not, you know, maybe one instance it would produce the corkscrew effect, the other one it wouldn't just because of the nature of the interaction, so. Right. And so on that, it's easy to see if the animals were killed on land, but it, there's, these animals could be being killed in the water as well. We don't know. So it's, it's likely right. that this is actually underrepresented about how often this happens. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of sad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the last thing I wanted to bring up um, that I thought was actually quite interesting um, is that when you're looking at wounds, right, so you can like, okay, well, there's a wound and, and a stranded animal. Well, you can get tissue and stuff from there to find out who made the wound, right? You can get other animal DNA out of it as the predator. So you're like, oh, mm -hmm. it was an eagle taking that or it was a coyote or whatever. But you can't do that if the animal that ate you, or ate the, hopefully didn't eat you, uh, that <laughs> ate the pup is the same species. So you're not going to be able to pull foreign DNA out of the wound because there is no foreign DNA. I mean, it's a foreign right. individual, but it's not a foreign species. Right. So you can't, when, it, when it's cases of cannibalism, you can't use that metric that was so usable for figuring out who done it, basically. Right. Yeah, exactly. So um, I thought that was very interesting. I'm like, oh. That is interesting. And it's also something, again, because we're, you know, as we're talking about this, like I said, I mean, you know, it's, it is definitely a mystery. You know, it's very similar to figuring out a human murder mystery, whatever, in some ways. Right. But like you said, there's so many different ways that we have to address that in an animal species. You know, we, we don't necessarily have an example of that animal's personal DNA that we could then match against the DNA from the wound and say, like, oh, that's a different individual's DNA, you know. Wouldn't that be so cool, though, if you could? I mean, maybe they can. I don't know. Like, I, I don't okay. do marine mammal pathology, so maybe they have the capability of doing that. But in humans, if you had everybody's, all the seals' DNA, you might be able to do that. 
Um, yeah, but that's pretty unlikely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it would be really cool though. If you, if you, just, cool. you have like a small population, you knew all the individuals and you'd be like, I know what you did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, yeah. Also let's, let's talk about that just briefly. Um, just cause it is really interesting to think about and they don't really go into it in a huge amount of detail in either of these papers, but that is something to note. Like for example, in the 2016 paper that we talked about, it was pretty much the one male that they consistently saw doing this behavior. So it is important to note that it might not be all males mm -hmm. in, the, in the population who do this behavior. This isn't possibly something that like, again, maybe a learned behavior, maybe it's something we don't know. I'm just, I'm just putting out hypotheses at this point, but maybe it's something that's passed down. Maybe it's something that's observed, you know. Well, and this goes back to the forging strategies that we talked about, right? So right. certain individuals in a population will, some of it's family lines, some of it's learned by peers. Some of it may just be certain individuals that are weirdos that <laughs> like to do these crazy things. <laughs> You know, um, but that is important to understand because that will leads into the the you know the ecology of it and what effects it will have. So if it's just a couple males, and they're the only ones, then maybe it'll won't happen as much after they're done, you know, they're, they die or whatever. But that's likely not the case since it's been happening since 1985. Right, so, and obviously but, happening in fairly consistent numbers too. Right, and maybe even increasing. So how? how is this, if this is a new behavior that started in 1985 that we, or, you know, around then that we didn't know before, how is it being passed on? How is it being learned? Or is it just something that is innate that if you're hungry enough, you figure it out as a seal? Right. Or, or are they learning it from, from each other? Seeing like, oh, hey, that guy did that. What a great idea. Yeah. I'm starving too. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Try yeah. That. It's really, really fascinating to just think about um and also just the fact that you know you don't see that in the majority of animal species when they get excessively hungry they don't resort to cannibalism necessarily so right in some species they do but in you know especially in marine mammals that's typically not the case so it's typically frowned upon in their population <laughs> <laughs> but apparently not for gray seals apparently that's apparently the, oh, apparently that's they're survivors right you know and so that is interesting in itself, where you don't yeah. see this basically in any other seal ones. I mean, again, the only one that you might see is that they might do infanticide to be able to um, mate with the female. And you do see that in some populations, but not they don't eat them. <laughs> it's a whole right. other level if you go to eating your own. Um, so it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, understanding more about who's doing it, how often they're doing it, are they doing it every year, you know, all that stuff will go in to help us understand it and also help us figure out, you know, what, what we can do to maybe help the poor seal pups. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or just again, like, you know, maybe this is just a completely unknown or pr previously unknown aspect to their uh, behavior that we just, this is, maybe this is something they've always done and we just didn't know what we were seeing or didn't know to right. look for it. Yeah. And then maybe it's just increasing and that's why we're seeing it more or we're right. out there, right? So that's really a hard thing to tell the difference between sometimes an actual increase versus the fact that we are out looking more and seeing more because we're interested and we're, we have better technology and better other things to be able to watch and see. Yeah. So yeah. it's great, but then it's hard to, hard to tease that apart, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, so that, I think that, I think that's all I got about. The I think that kind of sums up the mystery of the corkscrew seals. CSI crime scene investigation. Yeah. It was the, it was the, the gray seals. Which is again, very fitting because it's almost Halloween. And so yep. it's, I just feel like it's very fitting that we're talking about basically a murder mystery. Yeah. 
and the one that, that is hopefully solved to some degree. I mean, as Cindy mentioned previously, you know, that's not to say that some of these wounds weren't caused by other things, again, possibly propeller strikes or whatever. So it's, it, there obviously still is ongoing investigation into this, not only to learn more about the behavior itself, but to try to understand how many of these actual cases are the seals and how many are other things that we do have more control over, like ship strikes or propeller strikes. Yeah, exactly. So it'll be interesting to see how this develops and how we know if there's more places that pop up, you know, that, that are seeing these now, if it is really increasing going around and what that means for other populations, especially for the harbor seals that are over there that are declining for whatever reason. Yep. Yeah. Important to find out. So that wraps up the cannibalism episode of <laughs> God podcast. Uh, this is your Halloween edition. Um, and we will be back next week. Um, I think probably with the Marine Mammal Highlights. I think we'll do another one of those next week. Yeah. Um, and everybody have a happy Halloween and uh, don't eat too much candy. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This was brought to you by Pacific Mammal Research, a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Check out our website, www.pacmam.org, that's P-A-C-M-A-M, to learn more about us, our research, and the educational opportunities that we provide. Also, help us continue providing fun and educational content like this by donating today. Your help is how we can continue to do our work and share it with you. Thanks!